Thank you, man. Man, are we lo- we having fun? Well, let's jump right back in here. We, we talked about some things in the first session, and of course, I'm giving you just very broad highlights and all of that. And, um, you know, like I said, also, if you want to, after this session, uh, if you haven't done it already, you can go up and sign up for our Prophecy Master Course, and uh, it'll be a, a blessing to you. There's at least 30 sessions in there that are going to really open up your eyes to some things and help you craft things and walk through it. So we're just giving you very, very little highlights here. Uh, no, there's a lot. There's 30 sessions like this, okay? So it's going to be helpful to you. So what we're going to talk about now, and of course you can sign up at the back with Jason if you want to do that after this or whatever. So you'll get an update, an email, and uh, making it available to you if you choose to follow through with that. So what we're going to talk about now is we're going to talk about judging prophecy and false prophets versus the real and all that. So we said in the very beginning of this, the first thing we mentioned is that there's a difference between prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and we went into that and explained how you can begin, any believer can do comforting, exhorting, encouraging, and word of knowledge, right? We can do that. And so we've got to recognize also there's the, the office of the prophet is very important that we know how that operates. And first and foremost, let me give you a scripture just to give you a foundation for it. Let's go in our Bibles, if we can, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 and 2. This is Paul talking. Everybody give me an amen if you're with me. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, it says, Am I not an apostle? This is Paul speaking. Am I not free? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you not my work in the Lord? This is Paul talking. He says in verse 2, If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are my seal, the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And I'm out of the New King James, and so you see that, right? So you recognize what it's saying. He's saying that I'm... And even the NLT says, even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. What does that mean? Paul had a responsibility. And we recognize he had two different areas of responsibility. One was to have a ministry to the Gentiles, right? We know Paul had that. He was on assignment from God to minister to the Gentiles. And you also see he ministered to business leaders and all that. I won't go down that road at the moment. But you realize he had a ministry to the Gentiles and a segment of the body of Christ, which in his case, I believe, was the whole thing. Okay, but he said, I may not be, it's very revealing, I may not be an apostle to others, but I am to you. You see that? What he's saying here is, he's saying it very clearly that he has a responsibility for a segment or a group of people that God puts on assignment. So what you recognize, there's a foundation we have to lay that if you're a five-fold minister, especially the apostles and prophets, uh, Ephesians 2.20, it says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, right? The foundation. In other words, apostles and prophets build things. They do works where it's impossible to do it. They build all kinds of stuff. They make it happen. They put body of Christ together. They hold things together. And they also themselves are pastored, but then they also themselves lead things, and they work as a united front. All throughout the scripture, when you see the fivefold listed, you always see apostles and prophets together. As a matter of fact, I believe Barnabas was an apostle, or rather a prophet. I really do. And and I could prove that if we had more time, I'd go into it and show you. Um, I also believe this because you see it says, I think in Acts 13, it says there were in that time teachers and prophets 
in that order. In Acts 13, 1, something like that. Teachers and prophets in Antioch, okay? And so when it says that, teachers and prophets, it lists the teachers, then the prophets in that order. And Barnabas was one of the prophets, okay? So Paul was an apostle. Barnabas was a prophet. Judas and Silas were themselves prophets. And you see that Paul and Silas traveled together, an apostle and a prophet. Apostle and a prophet are often together, okay? And so you begin to recognize this, this model and method in the scripture, and that's how you expand the church. The Lord gave me um, kind of a, a word picture, just an idea, not a doctrine, just a word picture, where I began to see the fivefold ministry represented in different colors. And I went, my goodness, that makes sense to me, God. Now I know how to explain this better. And the Lord showed me that the, the, the three primary colors, the traditional three, is red, blue, and yellow, Right? It's just the traditional three. Some people say it varies, whatever. But I'm just talking about the traditional three. And you look at it, and I believe this, this is the way I explain it. I see pastors and teachers as blue. I see evangelists as yellow, meaning they, they just are flashy. They go out and get things done. Blue is safe. It's comforting. It's going to grow you, right? And all of them are equal. And apostles and prophets are red. <laughs> and they get your attention. Red is agitating. You're like, oh, it's red. Oh, man. You know? But it also represents the heart of God, the blood of Jesus, the word of the Lord, the words of Christ in red. And you recognize this. I also believe it's a mobilization factor. I was talking to Andrew Womack. I said, you're, an, you're a prophet. He said, yes. I said, what does that mean to you? He said, well, I believe they're called to mobilize the body. I said, I do too. Mobilize the body. Prophets say things that they have an anointing to say. Apostles say things they have an anointing to say. Apostles build the foundation. They pull people together. They network supernaturally. And prophets go in and declare. They build up. They tear down. They rightly align. And they have, and, and prophets really should actually be good teachers. That's what uh, Pastor Ben was saying, that a lot of them aren't. It's because they're not disciplined in their craft. They want to be spiritual instead of disciplined and instructing. There should be an unction on prophets to almost teach more intensely than some of the other gifts. It's strong, okay? And, and apostles can do it all, right? You know the fivefold? I think it was Lester Summerall that came up with the five uh, digits for the fivefold ministry. You know, I just put color to it, praise God. <laughs> and so I recognize this, that the, so I have this word about the red church rising, and the red church is the remnant of God. You're gonna see that word remnant written everywhere, and it will almost always be written in red, I promise you, because there's a word about red right now. The word red, that's why on our broadcast, you watch me in the morning, people are like, hey, let's play like nice orchestra music and all that, and our creative uh, director, David, uh, my guy back there, he, he began to say, he's like, you know what, we're red ministry, and so we play hard rock when we open up our, our broadcast. We're like the only ministry that does that, you know, I love it. People are like, wow, that's one way to wake up in the morning, you know, but we're red. I can't help it. I like it. It speaks to me, so... Praise God. I kind of, so since I'm holding the mic, I figure we'll do it my way. And, and, um, and uh, anyway, so red is more aggressive. It's going to get things done. And the Lord began to speak to me about going red. This, this generation is having the red church rise up. And what that means is it's not a denomination, affiliation. It's just people that say, I'm going to answer the call of God to mobilize. I'm going to stand together. I'm going to listen to my pastor. I'm going to do this stuff. We're going to begin to go forward. I'm going to be trained in the gift. I'm going to be a disciplined disciple of Jesus because we never rise to the level of our potential we fall to the level of our training. When the pressure is on, we fall to what we've practiced. You gotta, I'm serious. When the pressure's on, you fall to what you've practiced. You don't rise to your potential. You know, <laughs> in a world of darkness, 
One man with no training whatsoever began to rise to the occasion, tripped on his shoelaces, and fumbled the whole process, right? That's what it is when you're not trained. Some of you guys are like, Pastor Ben, where'd you find this guy? <laughs> now, listen to me. Now, one of the things that's the most uh, sought-after catchphrase in the world, and I actually have heard this so much, you know, in different places and all that, is the term false prophet. False prophet. That just blesses your soul. You hear it and you just go, whoo, Mufasa. Every time somebody says false prophet, you're like, oh, yes, that's amazing, right? And the truth is, why is it the prophets always get the rap? You know, there's teachers, false teachers. Where are the false pastors? Where are the false evangelists? Where are the false apostles? You know, these guys. How about the false, uh, how about the false helps ministry? False helpers. <laughs> you're a false worship leader, Right? <laughs> you're a false giver. <laughs> I've, been, I've actually been accused of that one time. I, was, I got pulled into this meeting, and they're like, you give too much. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, you give too much. You, you give, and it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it moves people. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, no, you, you get, nobody gives like that unless they have an ulterior motive. I'm like, uh, God's economy, the blessing of the Lord, trying to increase abundantly. Because God told me my ministry would prosper superfluously and the people around it would be blessed superfluously if I would out, outdo what I require of others. Meaning of God, and several times we've done this, we just did it again. We will empty an entire bank account at a whim. Yes, sir, You're, I'm yours to command. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years have just gone. Here we go. Praise God. Put it in the ground. Put it in the ground. Put it in the ground. And I'm blessed. I got to tell you, so when I say, when we talk about giving, I hit it hard on our program and stuff because I believe it's necessary for the body of Christ to get in God's economy. Because listen to me, the Ramsey plan, which I think Dave Ramsey's awesome. I think that he's a good man. I think he's a great prosperity preacher. I think he's after, I think he's very practical, but stuff in envelopes ain't gonna cut it in the season ahead. You might not have an envelope anymore. <laughs> Hear me. It was light in Egypt, or light in Goshen, but it was dark in Egypt, right? It was dark in Egypt, but light in Goshen. And I gotta tell you, God's economy doesn't quit working when hard times might come. And people that are not used to giving and receiving and not used to being aggressive in that area and not used to testing the Lord in this, man, I'll tell you, you're going to be like, why is it working? Because you're not. Praise God. You should be sewing into Pastor Ben. Man, you should be giving him the $100 handshake all the time. You know, praise God. When Pastor Ben gets a new car or Kara gets a new Mercedes or something, you ought to be like, ooh, praise God. That means we're going to get one because as go the leaders, so go you. Fact. Thank you, Jesus. People been around me and all that stuff, and we're all blessed. And I used to, like, hide it. And I had people come to me, and even Dave, just like, man, you got to talk about the Dave and Robin have been multi, multi-millionaires, these guys. Dave and Robin, we're so blessed by Dave and Robin. Multi-millionaires. Dave's one of the most fine builders of huge buildings, of homes, multi-million dollar homes all over Arizona. He used to be here. All over uh, uh, different places. Colorado does all these things. Many different avenues of business and things. Multi-millionaires, very successful people that have done all this stuff. And then they decided to be a part of this ministry because God called them to. And they did that. But I got to tell you, some of the most generous people and when you begin to do this and you get an understanding and you can follow the will of God and you do these things, I'm telling you, if you can't, and I'm prophesying, that's why I'm saying this, I'm not trying to be stuck on this topic, 
But listen, if you're not a giver, you are not going for your destiny. If your giving doesn't mean much to you, it might not mean much to God. People are like, how dare you? Well, I'm just getting started. Hang in here. <laughs> Praise God. And I'm, I'm saying, brothers and sisters, I'm saying this to bless you. I'm saying this to help you. Because if we don't begin to recognize these things, what we get is we get miserly, we get afraid. You know the way I keep mammon and the love of money off me and off my ministry? Writing checks. <laughs> Praise God. I'm telling you. If ever I feel like fear, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I got a need, it's time to sow a seed. Praise God. So I'm just telling you, some of you, man, if you want a radical harvest, you need to get radical in your giving. I'm looking forward to the day that I give away acres, homes, vehicles. We've already given away many new vehicles. We've done, we do this kind of stuff. And I remember one time I saw a preacher and I was irritated at his network, Ben. I was irritated at his network because he's this apostle. He planted so many churches all over the world. So many churches all over the world. You know, Kurt, he, he did this stuff. He just began to work and build stuff everywhere. And I looked at him, and one day he picked me up from the airport, and I'm with this man of God, and he's driving an old beat-up car. I got, I got angry. Like, raw, what's wrong with you people, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, man, this here's a man of God, an apostle of God, built all this stuff, and they're basically starving this guy. And so I got irritated, and I was like, you know, what's wrong with this network here and all this stuff? And I remember leaving the meeting, and it was a big network meeting and all that, and the Lord said, you're really upset about that, aren't you, Joseph? I said, yeah, what's wrong with these people? He said, since you're so upset about it, you go buy them a new car. I was like, oh, Lord, I, maybe, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, you know, people go through this stuff. It's, and I was like, and besides God, I don't, I don't have it. I can't just go get him a new car and all that. And, he like, and the Lord said to me, he likes Cadillacs. I was like, and so that was the response. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. I said, Lord, I don't have it. And he said, now pay attention to all the other people that might not have it when I speak to them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to get through this stuff and then teach others how to do it also. I didn't have it. But one thing led to another. We sowed seed. We did things. The next thing you know, I was able to buy them a brand new Cadillac. And I asked them, white or black? And they're like, huh? I said, white or black? What do you want? Yellow? What do you want? I said, if you don't pick, I'm going to go with black because I love black cars. And, uh, and, and he's like, I guess white. I'm like, okay, white it is. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm getting you a new car. I didn't make it dramatic or anything. I'm like, I'm getting you a new car, and I'm happy to do it. And he's just like, no, you're not. I said, oh, yeah. I had somebody deliver it to their house. They're like, what? <laughs> I got to tell you, that's how we win. And I did it because it, I couldn't do it, but in faith we leaned into it until we could. And when you set your goal on something and when God speaks to you, you can do it. And so the Lord gave me an object lesson with that. So today you need to begin to think that way. And don't just give in to any old soil. You give in to Pastor Ben and Kara. You give into good soil. You give into soil where the blessing's on. I'll tell you what, people give into our ministry, I'll tell you what, we expect breakthrough. I've had people sow um, money into us, and they got literally millions. I'm talking tens of millions of dollars return. Amen. Some of you are like, I don't believe that. That's why it's not working. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So that's important. So if we're going to do this, generosity, actually, I'll show you in a moment, is a sign of accurate prophecy, by the way. Show me a stingy prophetic person and show me a person that's riding the line. 
So that's something that we got to really understand. So let's talk about this very quickly. Let's judge prophecy, false prophets. Let's look at this. I'm going to break this down simply for, our, for the sake of time tonight. I'm not going to dive into a lot of scriptures. I'm going to give you the concept, and I want you to study it out, okay? Be like the Bereans. Go back and do your homework, okay? Let's talk about this. When we're judging prophetic words, prophecy, or specifically false prophets, false things like this, I believe through prayer and looking at the word, I see three categories, Three categories, okay? The three categories are comprised of this. The real, the false, and novice. Okay? So for our purposes here, we're going to say that this is the area of the light in the Holy Ghost. You're walking in the Word of God. This is uh, darkness. All right? And I believe there's levels to that. We're going to talk about that. And I believe this is called the gray area. All right? So it's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's kind of the valley of decision. Make sense? Let me describe this to you very quickly. We realize that when we have real, real prophets, there's a, the number one defining thing that should be a part of real prophets is what I consider I'll say it this way. I consider real prophets are those that work in humility. They're teachable. Right? Boy, I slaughtered that one. Where's that spelling instructor? Yeah. Teachable. I don't know if I got it right or not. Teachable. Uh, you begin to recognize humility, teachability. Um, you begin to see that they're in the word They have sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means they're surrendered to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the finite stuff like do we, do we sprinkle or baptize? Do we, you know, do we dunk or do we, what do we do? You know, I'm not talking about voting on the carpet arguments, okay? I'm talking about doctrine, the fundamentals of Jesus Christ as Lord, okay? He was died, resurrected on the third day. He's Lord. He has the final say. He's my Lord. We're surrendered to that, okay? So I'm talking about sound doctrine. They, they stand on that. They go through these things. And also they are givers, I think it's very serious if you're going to be in ministry and tell people, hey, sow here, you should be outdoing the people that sow to you. I, just, I really believe that. Pound for pound. It's not about dollar amounts or value amounts. Pound for pound. What you can do versus what they can do. Make sense? I think that's important. And uh, that's, that's a big deal. So now let's keep going forward here. We talk about this. Now we realize the false prophets, they do these things. They work in darkness. They work in areas of, they work in pride. Pride is the biggie with false prophets. Okay? Pride is, uh, as the Bible says, what goes before the fall, all these things. But pride is like the currency of the world. Pride is how the world functions. And you begin to recognize that. Now, there's a lot we got to get into with this, and this is very understandable with how we get into this. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, let me just write this here very quickly. 1 Timothy 3, I believe 1 through 6, talks about the requirements of being a, um, I guess, a leader in the body and all these things. And finally it says, not a novice. Why? Because a novice gets puffed up in pride, and they fall in the same error as the devil, right? Okay, everybody seeing this so far? 
Now, let me show this to you. A lot of people, there's things that happen. You have people that begin to step forward. And here's the danger of novice. There's two dangers with it. Number one, you have self-proclaimed prophets that are probably novices. They don't have good understanding. They don't know what they're working through. They just think they gave a word to somebody, so I'm a prophet. I mean, I'm a prophet. I, I feel strongly about things. Therefore, I'm a prophet. No, on contraire, mon ami. You are not a prophet, right? And so, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. And you recognize this. Then you begin to see that there's um, people that see people prophesying. So like a local church or different places, they see somebody prophesying or ministering that way, and they say, oh, they're a prophet. They are a prophet. That's the way it is, right? Now, it's so I did this in, in uh, Denmark I don't know, 15 years ago, I was doing this, I had an interpreter there, and I said, you know what, instead of, you know, like, so for example, we use the term prophetic worship, which I highly believe in, but we label things sometimes, and we don't really know what we're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, just because someone sings la-la doesn't mean it's prophetic. It means they're singing la-la, right? La-la, la-la-la, and people are like, oh, that's prophecy. No, that's just somebody singing along. There's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Psalms are word, the word of God being put to worship. Hymns are our expression to the word of God or our expression. We write songs from our heart to the Lord. That's a hymn. A spiritual song is when you get into that spontaneous flow of the Lord and prophecy in song. And prophecy, just like in speaking or in song, is when you see and say or see and sing. Okay? Now, the reason I'm saying that is because what we could begin to do then is we could begin to say, oh, they're a prophetic administrator. Or they're a prophetic helps ministry. Or we could begin to roll it into the category of worship. We could call it the songs of administration. When you begin to mix this stuff, it, it gets clear how silly it can be, right? Or the songs of helps ministry. What's the song of administration? Well, prophetic worship should be seeing and singing where you say to somebody, hey, you got this sickness in your body and God's healing you right now, right? You begin to break it off of them. The Lord is healing cancer. The Lord is breaking you out. You're breaking through right now, right? That's the way I think, right? It always goes to Metallica. No, I'm just kidding. And, but God begins to do that. So you begin to prophesy. You begin to declare and decree a thing with that prophetic unction that changes the circumstance, you know? So that's the song of prophecy. But then, you know, if we're going to mix things up, why not have the song of administration? The songs of administration. Wouldn't that bless people? You know, let's just mix it all up. The songs of the people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. God knows the heart. He does, but words mean things. So let's, let's start a movement of the song of administration. Mm, it's 7 a.m. Time to get out of bed. I'm getting up and getting my coffee. Now I'm going to work. I'm at work. Yes, I'm having a meeting. Oh, it's lunchtime. Hallelujah. Oh, it's after lunchtime. Now I'm going home. Now I'm getting back in my car. Now I'm going back after meeting. Dinner time. Hallelujah. And now it's bedtime again. Amen. How about the songs of helps? Oh, you dropped your pencil. Let me pick that up for you. You dropped your pencil. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? Nobody? Okay, I have lost many of you right now. But 
Here's what you recognize. If we're going to begin to term, term, give things terminology and all this stuff, we got to realize words matter and what we're calling things. So if we're going to talk about real prophets, real things, real gifts of the Spirit, we need to rightly identify them. Is there gray area and wiggle room? Yes. But we've got to get the, the target at least close and right and stand on the Word of God to the best of our knowledge, right? So when we're looking at these things, you look at this. There's the real, there's the novice, and the false. I think what most people in the body of Christ get accused when they're accused of being false prophets, it's either someone empowered them in the wrong lane, and they began to label them a prophet or label them something that they weren't. The, the worst thing in the world is when you get somebody that's out of their lane, now they're in the wrong lane. But even worse than that, now they're empowered in the wrong lane. When you empower someone in their wrong lane, they end up becoming a villain. They might even have tried to do it right, but they become a villain. They do things wrong because they don't have the skill set for it. They're not anointed for it, but they're in it. And now they've got to keep up a facade they never should have had in the first place. And it comes through wrong labeling. Wrong labeling. So that's one area. And then out of damage, because what happens is novices get hurt. And then they have a decision to make. Am I going to submit and commit Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land? Or are you going to refuse and rebel and bounce through the decision of pride and pride? And many novices that could have been rescued by good leadership, good discipleship, bounce into falsehood because they're wounded. Does that make sense? You might know some of them. You may have been one of them. There was times, like I said before, I was like, God, can I just, like, hurt them? And the Lord's like, no. And I'm like, but God, it just would feel so good on the inside just to, you know, you know. and he's like, no, Joseph, that's not my spirit. And I'm like, I know, God, it's true. And so you got to go with God. you got to go with the word of God. And your flesh will want to stand up on you. It'll want to do things. I'll show you a mature, real prophetic voice through their humility, their teachability, their ability to receive correction. Real prophets love correction. I've learned to love it. Now, I better trust your voice. I better know you a little bit. There better be something valuable in what you're saying. Because if you're just talking like, I think this, I'll be like, well, I didn't ask you what you think. But if a friend, if Ben comes to me, Pastor Ben comes to me, Kara, if my friends that I'm close, if my pastor comes to me, or people that truly, with humility, come with the unction of the word of the Lord for me, I'm all ears, man. I'm going to listen. Little kids come to me, and they're like, if they say something corrective that's under the Holy Ghost, I'm going to get on my knees and say, yes, Lord. Okay? But now listen, this is important. This is where we lose novices. So most of the people that are declared false or do stuff are usually hurt, mistrained. They're novices. And sadly, then they do become false. And now it's hard to turn them back. A brother offended. It's harder to win a brother offended than a city, Proverbs says. Right? So you get into this. But then I believe this. Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down in a further moment over here about false. And I believe there's levels to that. And I'm going to talk about that. I believe the novice, if you can begin to nurture them, lead them, say, hey, here's the deal. And you give them good training like this. You begin to get them in a place where victory begins to come. And then I think they can make a decision through the kindness of the Lord that leads them to the light. And then they can be discipled in their gift. They can grow. And I believe it works like this, okay? So I believe we can go 30, 60, and 100-fold into the light of revelation. 
You know, when the Bible says about the parable of the sower, and good ground, bad ground, thin soil, all these things, and then finally it says, and then it grew up some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. There's levels to your maturity. There's levels to your ability. There's levels to your responsibility in this. And a lot of novices, they do this. And you can judge prophecy this way too. Was that a novice word? I've looked at many people uh, when I'm ministering to them and I see marks like usually on their shoulder. It's how God shows it to me of words that people well-intended when they said it, they said things, but they actually were wrong. And they give people words out of their soul. And God in faith will begin to direct people and help them through that. You know, we've all done that or received that. But listen, I've had to look at people and say, you've had two words saying this, and it's not true. I'm sorry. It's not true. No, you're not going to build a base on the moon, right? I'm so, it's just not true. And they're like, oh, really? God told me it was true. I'm like, no, another person told you it was true. And you got to discern. you got to discern. Everybody say, discern it. You know how you discern it? You bring your senses under the authority of the word of God and you become spiritual by the word of God. You pray in tongues. You spend time in the Holy Ghost. It says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6, learn from us to not go beyond what is written. I've had entities appear in my room and talk to me and it was not under the unction of the Holy Ghost. This is going to flip some of you out. Some of you will be like, yeah, that happens to me all the time. You know, but here's the deal. I, I've, had, uh, I've had voices from the dead try to talk to me. You know what I say to them? Uh, no comprende. <laughs> right? I am not an avenue for you to move through. You will not speak here, and I bind you. I had some uh, family members and stuff that said, Grandma appeared to us. I'm like, Grandma's been dead for like 10 years. Oh, Grandma appeared to us. We saw her. I'm like, that wasn't Grandma. They're like, what do we do? I said, you tell her in Jesus' name, get out. And they're like, okay. They did it. And they're like, Grandma was hovering. Oh, like Ghostbusters, you know. And shh, you know, okay, whatever. And so, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you recognize that? That Grandma's there and this thing happens. And then... The, my cousin actually looked at him and said, in Jesus' name, go. And he said, Grandma changed and disappeared. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just got to tell you something. There's familiar spirits. There's these things that happen. They track with people. You know where demons come from, right? There's only two avenues they come from. One, they're either fallen angels, which Jude says those fallen angels are reserved in gloomy dungeons. So, so what are demons then? Demons are actually, praise God, was that Siri talking to me? Hey, Siri. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? Oh, it did? It said yes? I bind you, Lucifer. Okay, no, no, listen. Anyway, so listen now. You recognize this? I've had meetings. Man, you guys, I've had some wild stuff happen in meetings. If it happens, we'll just say, this is normal. We were in a meeting one time. I'll never forget it. The fire alarms broke out. And the prophetic minister I was with, the fire alarms were breaking out. And all of a sudden, uh, people started screaming. Stuff started happening. And we kept ministering. And all of a sudden, a lady jumped up, demonized. And she starts screaming at everybody. said, I'm going to kill all you. And I'm going to kill this woman. And I'm going to do this and all that. And, and, and uh, this prophet pointed at her and said, sit down and shut up. And pff, sits down. And he walks over there. And all this. And cast out the demons screaming and all that. And it was over with. And we found out the people that sat behind her, it was their first time saying, let's try out one of those charismatic churches. Let's just give that a shot, you know. <laughs> ah, 
and they're just like, oh, and, and the word of the prophet was, and th- he said, don't worry about it, this is normal. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, normal? So this is how it is here. <laughs> it's great. So I've been a lot of those things, man. I've had people run at me with knives and stuff. I'll tell you what, if you're feeling pet stinky on the inside, get all riled up, you know, you're in the right place. It's going to be fine. I've had people try to crawl out of our meetings vomiting on the floor because they couldn't take it. If that happens, don't worry. It's normal. <laughs> Praise God. No, okay. Praise God. I feel, Ben, I feel the power of God here today. Something just shifted in the room. I got to tell you guys right now. There's an apostolic authority on this church. Hear it. See it. Don't judge it by numbers right now because every time I come in here, I see a mega church. Every time I see Ben and Kara, I see a leader of thousands and thousands of people. I see influence. I see people coming to them and sitting under them and saying, talk to us, lead us. God's already put it in them. They're going to grow into it. I encourage you, if you're part of this community, stick with them, stand with them, help them fulfill their vision. If you get offended, get over yourself and stand with them. Everybody's like, you know how easy it is to be offended? You know what's rare? Refusing. They sing the song, I'm offended because I was mistaken. I'm offended, you wounded me. Gosh, you wound, how can it be that you would wound someone like me? Gosh, you wound, I know it's true. If it's the last thing I do, I'll get back at you, right? Just keep smiling. If you're offended and you don't smile, we'll all know. So it's okay. Look at this. All right. Praise God. (laughs) I love you, man. Praise God. Don't worry. When I leave, Pastor Ben will fix it all. I promise. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So novices, when they become offended, they get hurt. They get wounded. You know, if we quit taking ourselves so serious, we could go the distance. We really could. I've had people say mean, mean things about me and said, I mean, I'm talking like I've won more popularity contests than you can imagine. I've had legal battles against me. I've had people accuse me of stuff. You can't believe it. I've been accused. I've had things go on. We just won a legal battle because some people actually said that we had uh, taken all this money from something. They're like, you did this and all that stuff. And when it all shook out, it turned out they took it and they got sued for it. And they were like, oh, and they went on record saying that it was our ministry and and it was awesome. And we were fully, uh, uh, completely liberated from that accusation. I was like, thank you, Jesus. But I just got to tell you, man, people don't like it. When you chase after God, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I even had people that were close to her like, "You, you cool? I'm like, I'm cool. They're like, Okay, and I was just like, shut up, <laughs> you know. I, I got to tell you, man, and Jesus made of himself no reputation. If you have one or two good friends in this life, count yourself blessed. I mean good friends. Ladies and gentlemen, write this down. You can't say the right thing to the wrong people. And you can never say the wrong thing to the right people. If you find your tribe, you'll find your calling. You find your people, you find your destiny. But most people are so busy, enamored with themselves, and so worried about what they're going to do that they remain in this novice phase, and especially in the area of the prophetic, they do this. Now, here's what happens when they don't go towards humility, towards teachability, towards the word, towards doctrine. They're not givers. They change. They go another direction. This is usually where you get into the spirit of accusation, 
Write this down. The native tongue of the uninspired is criticism. Write it down. The native tongue of the uninspired is criticism. A lot of people that build their ministry and their foundation on being watchdogs, they accuse, they look for people. Ah, you did it wrong again. Yeah. Yeah, found out. Gotcha. Yeah. Isn't that a blessing? Nothing like a good accuser of the brethren around. I'm going to find out what's wrong with you. I'm going to find it. Man, I'll tell you what, you come to my meeting, you're looking for something wrong. I probably got something for you. You can find something wrong. But if you're looking for Jesus, like we're looking for Jesus, man, I ain't Jesus, but I sure like to serve him. I'll tell you what, and when God moves through you, you can receive Jesus through people. Man, and that's why people, they get gifts that come into places, and when you get a gift, you should unwrap it, you should unpack it, and enjoy the gift, rather than be like, I don't like the bow it comes in. I don't like the color of the packaging. Praise God. You know, this ministry, God told me we were going to break racism with our ministry. Told me we were going to touch the wound. Thank you, Jesus. I have more homosexual people run to me after meetings sometimes, and they say, I don't, I, I, you just, you're not judging me. I'm like, no, I love you. I've made them sit with me on the front row before, and they're all agitated. I'm like, no, it's going to be fine. It'll be good. But other people be like, don't you know who that person is? I'm like, yeah, shut up. Man, Jesus said he didn't come for the healthy. He came for those that were sick that needed the physician, Right? I'm not talking about pat-a-caking the sin and being like, oh, that's amazing that you do that stuff. Whoever it is, whatever uh, immoral issue you would have. I'm not saying celebrate that. I'm just talking about celebrating the person and bringing them forward. You know, obviously you can say what the truth is at any moment with them, but you can't do it because what you'll do is offend the novice. And then the novice says, ah, and they go that way. Now, you got to recognize things about it. Novices, they get hurt, they do things, and they have a decision. And that's why I wrote decision here. They're in the valley of decision. This is the gray area. This is also the soulish area. Either you're going to go towards the spirit or you're going to go towards the flesh. And when you're looking at this, the novices, when they decide to do this, a lot of people are novices. Or some people just straight out, they're false and they choose to be false. They're not even novices. Some people say, there's a scheme we can do here. And one of the defining forms of a false prophet is they have a love of money. Balaam had a love of money. That's why he began to go against uh, the people of Israel. That's why he showed the king how to cause Israel to stumble. He showed them how to fumble into wickedness. He showed them how to win for money, for gain, right? The, the other one, you begin to see the rebellion of Korah. Korah was rebellion. False prophets love stirring up strife against people. They love to make conspiracies and make things difficult. They love to shake things loose. You begin to recognize that. And you see that in Korah. You see it in uh, uh, Balaam. You see it in the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. There was a guy named Nicholas in the book of Acts, potentially the same Nicholas that did a revolt and started a, a wild grace thing. And the grace was so far gone that they began to encourage Encourage people to live in immorality. Encourage people. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus said, which I hate. Right? So you get into this and you start looking at it. So there's levels to this. When people are false by choice or by offense or wherever they go, false doesn't determine, gifting doesn't determine if you're false or not. The gift will work here, here, and here. Gift doesn't determine it. 
I've had people actually come to my meetings and say, nobody could be that accurate unless they were moving in the spirit of darkness. I've had warlocks and stuff show up and, and different people and be like, I'm of the devil. <laughs> and I'm like, big deal. I'm of God. And then they start shaking. I had one guy, Ben, stood up to me. We were at the end of a meeting. He came up and said, I control people with my mind. So that's what I do. I control people with my mind. I said, go for it. And he's like, he leans into me. I'm going to control you with my mind. I said, go for it. All of a sudden, he's leaning into me, and I'm just staring at him. And all of a sudden, he starts like, he's doing all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like is, is the control setting in? I mean, and, he, and all of a sudden, he, he like keels over, falls on the ground, starts vomiting on the ground. And I looked at his girlfriend. I said, is this how he controls minds? And I said, looks like the devil's making a fool out of you, brother. And I said, so come out of him. Ah! It was awesome. And, um, and so uh, they brought me a witch one time. That was a part of human sacrifices. They brought her to a meeting between sessions, like a, a, a conference. This is in this huge conference. And they brought her to the, the green room. And I'm there with some of the team. And uh, Ryan Edberg was with me. <laughs> and we're there. And they bring this witch in. And she's seen human sacrifices. And she was just, we watched her. She was levitating before the meeting. And I was like eating a sandwich. And, uh, and they're like, she's levitating. And she's like, the voices, I can't control them. They're taking over. I'm like, sit down and be quiet for a second. And I'm eating, you know. And, uh, and they're like, no, you got to understand. They all start going into warring emergency tongues. What it could have shit about a Honda. Right? And I'm just like, wow. And, and all these people get all worked up. And so they're like, no, it's a witch. You don't understand. It's Satanism. It's Right? And all of a sudden, she's like, I can't control it. I can't control it. I said, you can too. Even the man with a legion of demons in him and all these things that happened felt the knees of Jesus. It can be controlled. And she's like, no, I can't. I said, then I can't help you. And I start walking out of the room, right? I get real uh, strict with these people sometimes because they think they're, you know, whatever. And demons try to control the narrative, and we just don't let them. Yeah, you whoop them like a bad dog. And so I'm, <laughs> so I'm walking out of the room, and, and, and I said, look, if you're going to go down this road with me and pretend like you can't take authority over this, you're a free moral agent. Your willpower alone can control that thing. And so I started to walk away from her, and she's like, wait. And I was like, okay. And I'm, lo I'm loving this woman. I'm not being mean to her. I'm just trying to get her free. So I came back. She said, okay, I'm ready to do it. I said, okay, I'll be back in 45 minutes. I have a session. And, uh, and they're like, what? Said, do it now. I said, no, she's been possessed for like 20 years. She can be fine. I'll be back in 45 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, it ain't going to change in an hour here. It'll be okay. If she's serious, she'll be here. I came back, and she's writhing on the floor, and then this warring tongues breaks out again. And honestly, because I just took authority, and I knew who I was, I said, devil, you listen to me. I said, here's the deal. I ain't going to be here all night. I'm going to say this once, and you're going to go. And they know when you believe. They know when you believe. And if you're all like, you know, oh, God, you know, help, sister, so, so, oh, God. Demons cling to that. They love that. They love that drama. You got to be cold-hearted like Wyatt Earp. You come in there like, yeah. <laughs> right? You tell them I'm coming and heaven's coming. No, I'm just kidding. But so anyway, praise God. Smith Wigglesworth said that. He said, you got to be strong with them. Praise God. So falsehood. She got free. <laughs> I love you, honey. It's true. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Thank you, honey, for fact-checking me. It's so good. <laughs> She's the best, man. You got to recognize this, though. 
You got to recognize, though, the truth is, is that, yeah, she got free things happen, but you have so much authority, so much power. So this falsehood stuff isn't things we have to be afraid of, nor should we be mean to them. We should talk to them in love. We should walk it through. Man, I, anyway, I could go on and on about these kind of stories, and it just, it just works. It just works. Jesus is undefeated. Undefeated champion of the world. And when we realize he's in us, and you walk up and you're like, oh, we're undefeated. We're undefeated. Yeah. Man, I ran into the Church of Universalist lady on an airplane. I'm sitting with the head of the Church of Universalism uh, over in Europe. And I opened my Bible, didn't know who she was. And she's like, why would you read that? I'm like, I, I just like the Bible. Excuse me, crazy person. What, you know? And, and she's like jumping me and stuff. And she's like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. Ah! And she's coming at me and all that. And the word of the Lord came to me. And I just began to, uh, you know, lay down a prophetic message to her. And, uh, and she still wouldn't receive it. But I got to tell you, you have some horsepower. She's like, you Christians are so bigoted. You don't let anybody in your groups. It's only you guys and all that stuff. I said, let me ask you a question, ma'am. You got any neo-Nazis in your group? And she's like, uh, uh, no. I'm like, really? I said, how about fundamental terrorists? No. I said, how about murderers? You got a bunch of murderers in your group? I'll hang out together. Let's go kill someone. Yeah, you know. And, she, and she's just like, no. I said, you are a bigot. I said, you ought to be letting, I thought you were all inclusive. I thought you let everybody in there. And she's like, well, you got to have, I said, standards. And she's like, yeah. yeah. I said, so let me ask you a question. Um, are there any absolutes since you say you let anybody in? Are there any absolutes? She said, no. I said, are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> anyway, it was a blessing. And so, anyway, praise God. So looking at this here, <laughs> false prophets or false uh, prophetic understanding, you go through it and you get into this place where you realize they can go into places. And I believe they're salvageable at 30 and 60. And again, this is going into darkness. Okay darkness. There's levels of revelation. There's levels of corruption. There's levels of finally where you get reprobate. Okay? Okay? 30, 60, 100. And I believe there's a dividing line right here somewhere. And this dividing line is where you don't come back. Okay? But in this area, there is an area of, and there's this anointed word, rebuke. A good, firm, Jesus-loving rebuke can save someone staggering off to the slaughter. It can begin to do this and turn them around. And I believe people that are 30, 60, 100, even in false understanding, even it was, um, who was the sorcerer? Simon the sorcerer, that he began to pray over him. And, and, and the other one in the book of Acts where blindness came on him and all these things happened. said, pray for me, said to Peter, pray for me that none of the things you say, because Peter said, I perceive, I see that you are bound by iniquity and bitterness. I see, I see, I see. Peter was prophesying into the man, said, I see that you are bound by iniquity. And, and he said, your money perish with you. He said, pray for me that none of the things that you say will happen to me. I believe he was probably right here. And all these things, and Peter rebuked him, and I believe it's very possible you can turn them and rescue them where they come back and all of a sudden, they begin to go here, and you can pull people into the light. I really think so. I really do. And by rebuking people, it means you confront them in love. You confront them with joy. You confront them with the Holy Ghost. And there's victory that begins to happen. And uh, that's a strong deal. And here, this just comes through uh, time going hundredfold, uh, you know, faithfulness. And then these things here, these factors of serving and loving and doing this stuff, you begin to go with it. Now, does this help you so far? A little bit of understanding there?
So a lot of people begin to say, oh, they're a false prophet. And usually, most people that say false prophet, they don't know what they're talking about. Usually. Now, some people do. I'll tell you, I'm very, very cautious to shout out false prophet at anyone unless I see something. There are a few false prophets out there, and I'd tell them to their face. I had one person that was prophesying some stuff over people, beginning to come against them, laying hands on them, prophesying, and just uh, throwing fear on them, and this rebuke, and it was all out of order. And you could tell they were, they'd been doing it a long time, and, uh, and they were laying hands on a friend of mine, you know? And uh, they were doing this at this meeting, and, and it was my meeting, and we had all these prophetic people there, and they're just, you know, going at it. And I grabbed their hand. I said, take your hand off this man. You know, and that's a blessing in a meeting. That always goes well, right? No, no, thank you. And uh, the person looked at me and said, you're out of line. I said, no, sir, you're out of order. Now sit down, have a seat. And we had him sit down. He's all like huffy and puffy. And I said, if it's your meeting, you run the meeting. You do it with love and kindness and sweetness, but you got to do that. And false prophets, they need to sit down and say, if you want to get into order, if you want to be trained, because like we said, you don't rise to your potential. You fall to your training. And that's how winning's done. Did you get something out of this? Praise God. I wanted to teach this. So, again, there's the real novices, which is a a gray area, a mixed bag. And a lot of people, you got to judge that. Are they just a novice? Maybe they just don't know better. Two types of people. Everybody say this. Say two types of people. Either they don't know or they don't care. Okay? Novices don't know. False prophets don't care. It's the heart. It's the heart. And you judge it by the word. Now, obviously, I could go into this for another hour and break it down scripture by scripture. I was just trying to give you a quick overview so you kind of got the headline. Does that help? Okay. Praise God. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.